When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. It's Steve and Brandon back with you. And unfortunately, Brandon, it's after another Roma loss. We're about, same as last week, about 48 hours after a tough Roma loss. I know last week it was a draw against Milan. This time it's a loss against Inter 2-0. I mean, not a lot for either team going forward, but Roma, the, the injuries have just caught up to him, I think. Yeah, going into that match, I had no confidence that they were going to win. Um probably let alone even take a point. And that's not even just the pessimistic uh, <laughs> approach to Roma that I usually take, I think, with that extent, extended injury list. And then based off the Atalanta result and the Milan result as well, uh, just didn't seem like anything was going Roma's way. And, and the game kind of played out that way, um, where Roma didn't really have too many chances to speak of, I think, in my mind, uh the Pellegrini double volley attempt at the top of the box in the first half was one of the bigger ones. But aside from that, it was very slow going. And then, um, of course, you have uh, Roger Ibanez's mistake, just as Roma seemed to be on the precipice of getting, you know, getting one back and, and equalizing the game uh, with Dybala's introduction and how that usually goes for Roma in terms of uh, the, play, the quality of play improving and then two minutes later, Roger Ibanez's yeah. gaff, uh, game over, just like that. And a few weeks ago, we sat here and talked about what it would mean for Roma to get four points out of uh, the three matchups they had with their top four head to, um, you know, matchups head-to-head. They got one point out of them, and, um, and that's essentially a wrap for Roma's chances to qualify for top four. Um, any hope of getting in the Champions League now, I think, falls at the feet of the Europa League. Um, but that's no easy proposition either, given who they're going up against and who they could potentially go up against in the final. So, very frustrating result. But honestly, I've been upset at, you know, I've been more upset at different results. I, I kind of expected this one. Yeah, it was it was kind of expected. I tend to be more optimistic than you. Not as optimistic as, as Jimmy tends to be. He tends to be the <laughs> the eternal optimist on the show. Um, but I did go into this one with little confidence, knowing the lineup Rome was going to have to run out. I did the problem formation. Um, I guess it was like Thursday evening or whatever. And when I was looking at who who Mourinho had available, you're like, wow, where where is it coming from? Right. I mean, this is the the lineup they eventually ran out. It was Patricio and goal. Mancini, Cristante, Ibanez in the back. Zalewski, Kamara, Matic, Bove, Spinazzola. Um, and it was Pellegrini behind Belotti. It was kind of like a 3-5-1-1. And it, you know, you, you look at all the names that were missing from that lineup. Dybala, Smalling. Um, and Abraham was on the bench, healthy, but uh, but decided to, to sit him. I, I guess Mourinho felt Belotti was the better option, even though um, 
Abraham has scored recently. I, I guess he just liked the approach better there. I mean, Cristante having to move to the to the back makes makes Kamara start in the midfield, who hasn't really played. So they, they were up against it from the, from the start. The most disappointing part of it, though, to me was Inter didn't do a, a whole hell of a lot to to create. They were up one nothing at halftime, similar to what they were in San Siro. Uh, ironically, it was Demarco both times, and the, the goal they scored was a, a great counterattack where they they kind of tore Roman to shreds in the midfield and. There he was back post and wing back to wing back. We've seen Inter do that tons of times over the last few years with go, um, you know, these these different players that they've had over there. Um, Hakimi when he was there, and now it's Dumfries and Demarco and and whoever they kind of throw out there, they they kind of play that wing back to wing back. And it was a nice goal, not taking anything away from them on that. But the second one, man, I mean, most of the second half up to that goal, I felt like if anybody was gonna score me Roma, I thought. I didn't think Inter yeah. did anything all that threatening. And there was Roger Ibanez, uh Johnny not on the spot as usual when it comes to like <laughs> these big matches. And he just just gave another one away. And I, I mean, for all the talent he has in terms of physical traits and, and technical ability and, and, you know, pretty good pace and able to move the ball up the pitch and all, all this yada, yada, yada. I mean, you can excuse errors here and there. They happen, but it just seems to be like, Almost, I don't want to say every big match Roma plays, but with, they, they tend to show up when Roma's playing a big opponent that's going to make them pay for it. Not like, you know, they're playing Sam. Sam's terrible right now. They can't hit the broad side of a barn and he gives the ball away and they miss the goal. Like it, it goes right to uh, Lataro, who found Lukaku wide open and there's no chance to stop it. No, he hit it one, He hit it first time as soon as Lataro fed him in and Ruby had no chance. Um yeah, very disappointing all around. And as you said, seems to be a theme with Roger in big games, um, which is interesting because you think that Mourinho would have figured out a way to iron that out of his game by now. Yeah. Um, we've seen him help Mancini clean up his game. You wonder what's going on with Ibanez that, you know, he's not uh, making similar leaps in terms of the improvement. But then again, we know that Abanez is probably one of the more likely candidates to be sold off in the summer. So it's episodes like this that you can kind of see why for all the talent that he has, maybe this would explain why management isn't dying to keep him at all costs. Yeah. Unlike a Dybala, for example, um, which I know it's different circumstances, but you see the effort that goes into, into keeping these players. Um so yeah, it was disappointing again. It, it cost Roma, um, but yeah, as you said, Roma were dominating the second half. Uh, came out very much on the front foot to start because it was do or die. You know, you, you get something out of this game, or you have to put all your eggs in the Europa League basket, which is not something that you want to bank on. Um, and yeah, just a killer. Um, but again, I think it's a product of, of everything that we had going, going on. I mean, it, it was a simple clearance mistake that Abanez made. So you can't really put it on the person on personnel on the pitch or people missing from the pitch. But at the same time, we know um, when Smalling's in the lineup, for example, how much better these guys are play yeah. uh, Smalling's missing. Uh, so, I think it was just another one of those things that didn't go Roma's way, but um, as it's a running theme, I think it certainly lends credit to the fact that Abanez is on the chopping block come the summer. Yeah, I, I think if you can get any D 
decent offer for him, especially if they can make this Indica deal happen. Left-footed, younger center back who's got a high ceiling and they're really missing that left-footed player. I think I think he's a sacrificial lamb, especially if Roma can get 30, 35 million. That maybe funds a different move. Um, you know, they're saying that, I'm, I'm going to probably butcher his name, but I think it's Awar, the, the, the Lyon player, is coming on a free. Um, you know, if Indica comes on a free... And you can bring in some money elsewhere. I know they're dealing with financial fair play, but it, it, it does free up money maybe for the Fratezzi signing we've been hoping for or right back or something like that. And I think I think when you look around the pitch, if you say, well, who could you who would you sacrifice for 25, 30 million euros? That's a reasonably going to fetch that price. Um, I think to me, Ibanez is first uh, on that list just because of how many errors he's made. I know Tammy's had his issues this year, and he probably fetches even more from the Premier League because of He's English, and, and they're always looking for English strikers over there. But I'd rather keep Tammy around for another season and, and hope he can t- kind of turn around the way Jekko did in his Roma tenure than keep Ibanez around and have him costing his points again. Yeah, and with Tammy, I mean, he had a he had a great first season, so we know that he can do it. Unlike with Jekko, his first season was the awful one. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a lot of re- regrets at the time, or so we thought, until he came good. Um so I would trust Tammy to, you know, bounce back. Maybe not put up Erling Holland numbers uh, in yeah. his third year with Roma, but at least have something, you know, respectable in terms of output and um, what we expect from a player of his quality. Um, but again, I also think he's he's still a prime candidate to be um, sold in the summer. We we see rumors all the time: Aston Villa, Manchester United circling so i think going back to your question about you look at this team and who's the most saleable asset it, it is it is tammy and abanez just because they do have those Premier league teams circling around them um i would argue zalewski as well but i think given um you know the shuffling with his position over the last year or two um Maybe not as you're you're not going to get as big of a price tag, nor do you really want to sell him given how young he yeah. is. Um, but yeah, to to go back to your point though, I think I would definitely rather sell Abanez because um, we don't know what's going to happen with Belotti. We don't know what's going to happen with Dybala. Um, you know, Zaniolo is not here anymore, so it's not like you have another young attacking prospect that you can you can turn to. Um, and then in the defense, we have Smalling who is um, going to be another year older, but still the bedrock of this defense. And then with Mancini's improvement and then potentially signing um, and then Dico, you know, you're not really losing too much. And then unfortunately, unfortunately poor Kambula with his ACL tear, he was going to be another one of those candidates to be um, sold in the summer, but he'll be around. So with those four pieces, excluding Abanez, it's not really a bad, um, center back rotation that you have there. So I think it all signs point to the exit door for him. Yeah. And I, I know they're probably not going to exercise any kind of um, hefty option on Lorente, but maybe you can bring him back as the fourth yeah, option yeah, and get too. the pool of time. Right. I mean, he's, he's looked apart so far as like that fourth center back in the rotation, whether you're playing a two man or a three man back line um, probably can get him at an affordable rate. Maybe Leeds is ready to, to cut bait there and Roma can either get another loan or, or a, a fairly cheap purchase like they did with Salik, that, that could be an option too to um, make uh, Roger even more expendable as long as Smalling is coming back 
Um, but you made a great point about Tammy. The, the thing is, Tammy's going to have those vultures circling from the Premier League, the big money ones, right? And yeah. um, United is United. Um, they're looking likely to be back in the Champions League next year, which means they'll have plenty of money to spend. Um, Villa's even making a push for for a Europa League spot. They've they've had a pretty good season. I don't know if they're going to get there, but they've they've shown a lot of improvement under Emery, so they're going to probably want to try to build and and they always have more money than the Italian clubs with their TV deal and all that. So um, wouldn't be surprised if both go. Um, if if I had to pick who to go, I would certainly sell Ibanez based on performance, and that says a lot because Tammy, like we said, has had a rough season, but. I mean, it's one thing for Tammy to hit a post and, and do these things, but when you see Bonnie's just like giving goals away. I don't know if it's because of the position and, you know, sometimes when the goal is given to the other team, it hurts more than missing a goal on, on the attacking end. But it, it's just been so many times against Lazio, against now Inter, and I'm sure there are other big matches that, that don't come to mind right away, but I, I know there are other examples that I just can't think of. And it's it, it just gets to be like, not again. Like, how could this happen again? Like, how how is he making these same mistakes? And you know, the red card in the Derby, I think of the Derby last year when he gave, or two years ago when he gifted a couple goals, it, it, it's rough. Yeah, and then depending on how the season ends, maybe you both sides want a clean break. Roger's like, yeah. hey, you know, uh, my confidence is kind of shot based on my performances in some of these big matches. I think a fresh start would do me some good. And then from Roma's perspective, hey, we need 30, 35 million by the end of June or whatever the deadline is. Um Happy to see you go. Thanks for all you've done. Um, and I can see that playing out. Um, but that remains to be seen. It remains to be seen how Roma finishes up this season. But I think as it currently stands, yeah, I agree. And then going back to your uh, point with Diego Lorente, who I forgot about, if leads go down, you know, you could probably get yeah. him a very cut rate deal. That's true. Uh, based on the results today, it's not looking so hot for them. They still have chances to climb out. But That'll be talk about vultures circling some players. If um, you know, if they went down, Everton, you'll have uh, plenty of players to pick from. Yeah, and maybe some that might be affordable enough for uh, <laughs> right to swoop in, right? Maybe some with some some uh, someone doesn't get picked up by the bigger size. But yeah, Leeds. Uh, that's a great point. They shouldn't have fired my boy Jesse Marsh. Should have kept him around. I think. <laughs> yeah, um, right after they um, brought in McK- like all the Team USA guys, McKenny and. Um, well, I think it was, was just McKenny, but they just McKenny in, in the yeah, January window. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Adams yeah. was there and Aronson was there, but yeah, yeah. I, I I take uh, Tyler Adams any day in the midfield. I I think he's a good good prospect. I'm still I'm still scarred from the Brian, not the Brian Reynolds. Well, yeah, Michael yeah. Bradley, Brian <laughs> Reynolds, all the yeah. previous American Roman players, a little scarred, but Adams is a good player. Yeah, so not not to go too far off topic, but. Um, just going back to the match, I thought Roma's best player again was probably Lorenzo Pellegrini for like the fourth or fifth match in a row. He's been playing very well. I think that is big heading into this Europa League fixture on Thursday and the end of the season. And he seems to be getting his confidence back. I mean, he was the closest to scoring again for Roma. I think he could attribute the majority of their XG. His, his personal XG was 0.29. I think Roma's as a team was like 0. 0. 0.7 or 0. 0.9. So kind of for at least a third of it. Yeah, it's and uh, it's reminiscent of um, you know the previous season where he was carrying Roma at times. Um, it, I don't think it's a coincidence that it coincides with uh, you know Dybala and all them. Some of these yeah. bigger it's offensive games. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's not a knock on him, but he just it it's really more 
you know, he rises to the occasion. He steps up when he needs to. I think maybe um, they still haven't completely figured out how to all play together. But um, based on his experience last year, I think he's able to step in now and, and, and do the job and try and carry Roma offensively as best he can. Um, still frustrating at times with his decision-making, but I think given, you know, the personnel around him and the injuries keep accumulating because El Shirari is now yeah. reportedly done for the season, I believe. Um, so again, it, it's, it's really just him doing his best to put Roma on his back and, and he's, he, he's stepped up and um, improved his performances a little bit, but hopefully with uh, some of these players coming back for, you know, the, the final stretch, particularly Dybala, hopefully they can figure out a way to work together where there's not too much of a drop-off in form for Pellegrini. Yeah, and, and, and I think you're right. It's not a knock on him. I do think part of it's stepping up. I also think part of it, he gets a little more freedom without Dybala on right, the pitch. Yeah. And I think it's just a matter of them hopefully one more year together next year. They can find the balance a little bit more. I think they both kind of like to play that free role a little bit. And Pellegrini then has to defer to Dybala because he, Dybala is unquestionably the most um, gifted atta- attacking player on the team. And um, I think that takes away from his game a little bit. I'm sure some of it was not, but, you know, he's one of the guys that Mourinho mentioned is playing through fatigue, playing through pain. And and I, I think it, it says something about him as a captain, um, leading by example uh, in these bigger matches without some of the big names on the pitch. And, and it's a shame. We think back to the Milan match last week, unlucky to score when Tammy basically saved, saved a goal off him, right? Who knows how that game ends up if Roma's up a goal so early. Um, came pretty close uh, a couple times in this match, so... At least that is one positive we can take from this performance, I guess. It's hard to find many others in a match where, um, you know, Roman loses 2 nothing with only conceding. I think it was point – let me just double-check the number here to get it accurate. Point seven three they conceded, and their XG was point nine seven. So it just shows how little intercreated. Um, they didn't give up a whole ton considering who was playing in this in this match. No, but that's not surprising because that's – been the theme in all the big games um, that we played this season. Um, we've seen it with Napoli. We've seen it against Milan. It's it's always a tight affair. Even if the other teams in better form go against match, Roma under Mourinho know how to keep it tight. Um, and I didn't expect anything different going into this game. It's not we're not watching the Roma where you go into it worrying that they're going to concede three. Um, it could still happen. They, they've shown mm-hmm. that it can very well still happen, but um, in terms of the perception around the team, it's not one that's going to fold easily. So, and for, for large spells of the match, that's kind of, you know, at least what I was clinging to. Okay, it's one nothing, sure, but keep it tight till 60th, 70th minute, what have you, enter Dybala, hopefully he can create something and then you never know that last five ten minutes um and extra time depending on how much is allotted to you but and then but unfortunately that mistake with the banyas kind of took the wind out of everybody's sails before we could really get going again just minutes after Dabala was introduced and then once that happened the game was kind of uh going through the motions it felt yeah. like until until full yeah time. like those last five minutes they weren't even really looking for a goal no. like in stoppage time yeah we saw we saw the kids come on um which was cool um 
Nicolo Pasili got his his first team debut, which you always like to see. Um, but yeah, that, uh, in addition to you know uh, Pellegrini playing well, that's pr- probably one of the only positives that you could take away from the game. The the youngsters got some minutes, and an academy kid got his debut, but that's about it. Yeah, so we're going to take a quick commercial break here, and we'll put a, a, a ribbon on this intermatch, whatever. I mean, a ribbon might not be the <laughs> best word, but we'll uh, we'll be right back. All right, so, I mean, Brandon, I guess we'll wrap with just what Mourinho had to say at the end of the match. We saw the players go to the court of a suit and, and kind of, you know, show the respect to the fans. It was another sold-out Olympico. The atmosphere was great again. And um, it's funny because on the telecast, uh, Mike Grella was doing the um, the color for Paramount instead of Matteo Bonetti, and he was saying, you know, when he talks to family in Italy, he, he's a former New York Red Bulls player, um, you know, so he's never really played it in, in that atmosphere. It's different league, different style. So he, you know, talked to family in Italy, like, what's the best atmosphere for, like, a Serie A match? Is it the San Siro? Is it the, you know, the Allianz for Juventus? And his family, say he says, always tells him it's the Olympico. And you can just see the atmosphere on Saturday. You can see it on the previous Saturday. And I'm sure we'll see it on Thursday. So the players and Mourinho had to go show respect to the Curva for supporting them through a really a rough match with all the injuries. And, um, you know, he was asked, Mourinho, tell us about the moment with the Curva at the end. What did you say to the players? And he, he said, I simply said that I felt tremendously proud of them and I thanked them for their efforts. The efforts put in by those who were tired and those who played with one leg or the fractured rib or a local injection so they didn't feel too much pain. I thanked the kids who trained with us and who did their best. Um, and, of course, I thanked the crowd as they were absolutely incredible. What the lads have managed to create here is fantastic. You know me, and you know I always find defeats tough to take, but I can honestly say that I'll go home tonight immensely proud of these lads. Tomorrow they'll finally get a day off. I'll be at Tre Fontane with the Primavera kids, and then on Thursday we'll be back here. So, I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen this side of Mourinho. Obviously, I haven't followed Mourinho his whole career like many people who have from the Chelsea days to the Madrid days and, and you know, Inter and all, the, all this other stuff. Um, I can't say I've, I've been following him that closely, but – this kind of doesn't seem like the stereotypical Mourinho comment where he's just a, a hard ass and can't stand losing. Like he, these words seem genuine. And I think he truly appreciates the effort he's getting from the players. Like the, the fractured rib is referring to Belotti clearly. I'm sure there's some of these other players who are playing injured and, and, you know, knocked up a bit and, and they, they there's hobbling through matches. Yeah. We're entering the, uh, uh, wise old sage era for for Mourinho. Um, <laughs> he's 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 way more docile these days, it seems. But I mean, he knows he knows what he's working with, and he also knows the work that they're putting in. Um, we've seen that he he's already gotten rid of the players that hadn't bought yeah. in or hadn't put the effort that he's that he requires. So. Now it's just all the players that he knows going to put in the work. So yeah, of course you're going to feel proud of them, regardless of the result. Um, I think it helps a little bit that it was against Inter, his former his mm-hmm. former club. So that maybe softens the blow just a little bit more. But um, I agree. Yeah, he didn't. You know, at post match he seemed he seemed uh, not content with the result, but at ease in terms of you know there's nothing more that they could have done. Yeah. Given what's going on, um, I thought it was a great moment. The uh, the CBS coverage caught uh, him with his arm wrapped around Pasili. Um, I'm sure you know, telling him to soak up every second um, of his debut and whatnot. And so, there's a bit of a transition to more of a father fatherly figure than um, 
the you know the action that we that we saw in years past but i think it's um it's it's the type of approach that roma need at this time they don't need him to be busting their balls at every turn um you know they're injured they're tired the fixtures are piling up at all the wrong times in terms of who they're playing so yeah a lot of credit sits them and then um you know, you can't help but be in awe of the support that that the team receives from the fans, sold out attendance week after week after week. Um, I actually had a buddy of mine go to the, go to the game. He's not a Roma fan, but um, incredibly jealous that he got to 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 see that atmosphere. Um, and as you said, come Thursday, it's probably going to be a packed house again. Um, it's a little little unfortunate that the first leg is at home as opposed to the second, but, um, you know, we've, we've seen what they can do, um, in European competitions at home. So maybe it is a good thing just from the sense of you want to, you want to get past this, uh, poor run of form where he, you sensibly, you know, uh, you know, shot yourself in the foot and, and collapse out of the top four race. Um, so it's an opportunity to, to get into the champions league. So I think conventional thinking would say uh, you would like that second leg to be at home, but given uh, what we've seen, I think, I think it could be an advantage. Um, So we'll see come Thursday, but definitely expect the full house. Yeah. And I I think you, you said a couple of things that were were so true. Like the injury, this team has been fairly healthy outside of when Haldem's fracture and, and some, a few weeks here and there for Dybala. I mean, the defense was healthy all season. The Matic Cristante pairing was healthy. You know, then you added Winhaldem and added a new element where like, oh, things are starting to pick up. Um, you know, Tammy's been healthy. Pellegrini for the most part hasn't missed many matches. And now all of a sudden, it all kind of hit at the same time. Like all those injuries just piled up, and it, a lot of it, I'm sure, has to do with fatigue, with a congested calendar, uh, not the deepest roster. You know, and Mourinho's had to try to manage that, and and when he has rotated, it hasn't worked out in the best ways. You know. And I, I think he's come to the point in his career where he's done a lot of winning already. He's been in these huge places like Real Madrid, like Chelsea, like Inter. And, and I think he started to understand that Rome is a different place. I think he had to come in knowing it was a little different in terms of finances and, and you know, culture. Um, you know, we're, we're Romanisti. We love the club. The, the, the people that show up to the Olympico every week love the club. The, there's not a better atmosphere when that place is packed. But in terms of like, creating that winning culture that's that's had to be done by him because Roma hasn't won a trophy uh, prior to the conference league last year, since I think it was the 2000, I want to say 2008 or 2009 Copa or something, maybe 2007. Yeah. I was um, thinking seven or eight. If yeah. Somewhere around yeah. there. Um, and then they, they had lost that one to, to Lazio, I think in 09 or 10 or something. And, and they hadn't been back and they haven't, they had that one season under Spalletti where they, I mean, they, they were second a lot in the Scudetto race, but only that one season where they really truly competitive in the past, like five to 10 years in terms of like trying to catch Juventus. I know when I first started following the club in the mid two thousands, they were close to Inter a couple of times, including Mourinho's Inter. Right. And, and that was really the closest they've come since, since I've been a fan. So I think he started to understand, like he's got to build that culture, but he's also, like you said, he's kind of in the, the, the grandfatherly part of his career where he can like mentor these young players. You see it all the time with, with some of these guys, build the relationships, really enjoy the moment of 
being with these guys who now that he's created his culture will really go and like go to war for each other. And I know it's like hyperbole often, but like these guys will go to war. Like you see Mancini, you see the way Pellegrini's battled through. Like it's like being in the, in the Roman legions, right? They, they, they were a brotherhood and this is what this team has created. And I know it's easy to make that, you know, comparison because this is Roma, but I, I think he's starting to enjoy that. And, and I don't want to say he accepted defeat with those comments. Like you said, it's like maybe at ease in the sense, like I did everything I could. We did our best. We've got a limited roster with all these injuries and we're, we're just going to do what we can. I'm not going to, I'm not going to dwell on, you know, not having my best 11 and say, Oh, we could have won this game. Like Inter's peaking right now, which is crazy because right. they're in an even more congested schedule than we are right now. And we were on here a few weeks ago saying, wow, look at these schedules. Like, Inter's really up against it. And all of a sudden, Inter, with that comeback victory against Lazio last weekend, and now beating Roma, is in the driver's seat for at least fourth place um, with with the, the Derby Champions League two-legger coming up uh, in the midweek. I mean, if I'm looking at that matchup, I'm saying I favor Inter over Milan, not to talk too much about Inter. But, like, that team's peaking. Uh, Juve got the win against Atalanta this weekend. Milan beat Lazio. So now it's kind of down to four teams for three spots, in my opinion. I think Roma and Atalanta are really up against it at this point. I yeah. think Milan has a chance to catch Lazio or Inter. They're still mathematically close enough with four matches left. Lazio's got an easy schedule to close it out, but, man, I'd love to see them get caught at this point. If we're not going to make it, take them down too. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, when I look at the, the schedule, uh, the the table, it's Inter on 63 in fourth place, um, through 34 matches, Roma's down in seventh on 58 points through through those matches now. And the tricky thing for Roma here, Brandon, is if Fiorentina wins the Coppa Italia, then only the top six go to European competitions through the league route um, because they would take one of the Euro- Europa League spots and six becomes Conference League. If Inter beats them in the final and Roma finishes seventh, then we're back in the Conference League again. So it's like, man, that... <laughs> I don't, I don't want to knock the conference league because we won it last year, and I'm not going to be like uh, Tade and uh, his, his boy Latif over there and say it's a loser competition. But I don't, I don't, I don't think yeah, I'm going to, go to, it, to Norway yeah, in these places again. Like Roma's taken that step; it served a purpose. But like, let's let's move forward. Right. It's it's been there, done that, um, and I'm trying to, what has it been five years now that Roma hasn't qualified for the Champions League going on yeah, five? It feels like forever, right? Yeah. Um, so going back to the Conference League isn't a proposition that I would welcome at all. I think I would prefer the the once a week, just yeah. focus on the league, occasional Copa match. I know if Jimmy were on, he would be very much, he would be railing against that. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it, it really is the kind of uh, been there, done that in terms of, uh, you know, the prestige of winning the Conference League. Um, I don't really want Roma to become the Sevilla of the Conference League where they, they win yeah. it every year. Um, but it's it's kind of out of our hands in terms of league position other than winning our remaining games. I would put us on 70 points. Um which a few months ago, I, I I looked at the schedule and did that whole, oh, yeah, I think we can get three points here, three points there. And that's there about where the where I came to. Um, but the question is, is that enough to qualify for the Champions League? And then if you look at seasons past, more often than not, 70 points isn't enough to do it. 
Yeah, it's um, like it, I'm scrolling back as you talk. It's like 50-50. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it really was kind of, you know, the 70 point threshold was kind of dependent on the other teams continuing to falter. But yeah. as you were speaking to with Inter finding form, um, Milan finding a little bit of a form. Although with Liao now out now, potentially, um, who knows? I know I know he grabbed his hamstring and it was probably more of a precautionary thing. Than anything, I don't. I haven't seen anything since uh, the injury happened. But if he's out for any amount of time, that's going to be huge, hugely damaging to them. But um, yeah, it's just in terms of the league position, it's kind of out, out of our hands, and so that's why all the more reason to really put all your eggs in the basket with Europa League. You you brought up earlier, um, you know, Tammy being on the bench and Bellotti giving getting the start um, even with his rib injury you I wonder if some portion of that is saving Tammy yeah you know get him get him fully rested for uh, the Leverkusen match I know we played on Saturday and the games on Thursday so that's a bit of an extended rest but for a player who's you know been been going through it lately it maybe the rest doesn't some good but um, yeah you know it Long story short, Europa League needs to be uh, the priority. It will be. Um, and it, they do have a chance. They do have a chance. Yeah. So before we get to Europa League, just to go through, you, you mentioned the 70-point threshold. Last year, 70 points was enough to get Juve in the last Champions League spot over Lazio with 64. Year before, though, I mean, it was a completely different table. Napoli finished fifth with 77. Um, so it shows how it can fluctuate from year to year. 1920, which was a COVID-shortened year. Um, that they had to play over the summer. Roma was fifth with 70 points, eight points behind Lazio for the last spot. So you can kind of see it just jumps around. Um, but back in 18, 19, 70 points would have finished you third ahead of Atalanta. So it just <laughs> kind of fluctuates so much. That was the season Roma finished with 66, uh, and they were in sixth place, three points behind the third place team. That, that was that crazy year in 18, 19, um, where they, that was the first year they, they missed out in the Champions League for the following year after they had uh, – Lost to Porto, and I think it was around a 16 that year when Zaniolo had his his brace and seemed like the next big thing, and, and that feels so long ago now. So, yeah, I mean, if they win out, which is entirely possible with Roma's calendar that they have left, but I think with the injuries and the focus on on Leverkusen at this point, it's Bologna Sunday on Mother's Day um, at away, and then it's Salernitana home, Fiorentina away, Spezia home, all winnable matches. But with the Europa League and the injuries, it, it might be tough to even hit that 70-point threshold, I think. Yeah, the, the Fiorentina match in particular will be will be tricky. Um, but yeah, it's oh man, I, I can't I can't do a conference league. You put the thought yeah. in my head. <laughs> and if and this is a big if right now, but if Roma does beat Leverkusen and they make the final, the final would be three days after that Fiorentina match, or maybe four if they move the dates around by a day or two. But it, I don't think Mourinho's um, risking too many players in that match if it's a one-off final for a trophy and a Champions League place. No, I would anticipate all 11 uh, players are Primavera <laughs> kids <laughs> getting their debut. Pay, pay those kids their bonuses, give them their debuts. Yeah, exactly. On, on the final. So we're going to take one more quick break, and then we will uh, finish up with a little talk about Leverkusen. All right, so Brandon, we'll just spend a couple minutes to, to close out the episode talking about the Thursday match against Leverkusen. Um, our old friend Patrick Schick is there. I know he's been hurt. I don't think he's played very much of late, but um, this is a club that 
was in the Champions League. They, they dropped down after uh, finishing third in their group. Um, they were in a group with Atletico. Um, I think it was Club Bruges. I'm going to double check right now. But they were in one of those groups. They, they, they fell out of contention and ended up here in the Europa League. So let me just pull up. This was their Champions League group. They were in the group with, yeah, Porto, Bruges, Leverkusen, Atletico. Did not perform well. Finished with five points and got by Atletico, who also had five. So they kind of snuck into the, the Europa League, and, and they've made the most of it now since they've been here. Um, and Roma's going to have to to play them now. They fired their manager back in October off to an awful start. They were absolutely atrocious. They were bleeding goals. And then Xabi Alonso comes in, uh, former Real Madrid player, Liverpool, you know, legend and and played a little bit for Bayern Munich, which made, has the familiarity with the Bundesliga there. But he's never managed a big side. He only managed a uh, Real Sociedad B side um, in in the lower division of, of Spanish football. So he comes in kind of a fresh ideas, and um, I'm hoping to get some Bayern perspective. I actually reached out to a, a Leverkusen uh, supporters group in the UK. I think we might get a Q&A, which would be interesting to, to see kind of more of a, a, a perspective of someone who watches the matches week in, week out. But yeah. Leverkusen's hot right now. Um, prior to losing to, to Cologne on Friday, 2-1, they had gone 14 unbeaten in all competitions between the uh, Europa League and, and the Bundesliga. So this is a team that now is, is really feeling good about itself. Yeah, I kind of wish that they they hadn't lost um, on the weekend. Yeah. Just to be a little bit more overconfident going into Thursday, and now the you know they'll be able to to refocus and get that uh, unbeaten run behind them. Um, but yeah, as you said, Chavi Alonso has been doing a great job. Played under Mourinho, so knows a little bit about yeah, yeah. Um, that little caveat. Yep, yep. Um, I think. And with Patrick Schick, yeah, he's he's rolled out um, for the tie, so we won't have to worry about the revenge of uh, Patrick to to rear its ugly head come this tie. But um, it's going to be tough. Um, I think both both legs are going to be very tight affairs, um, as is often the case with Roma under Mourinho in these um, European knockout fixtures, but. Um, can't say I've watched too much of Leverkusen or the Bundesliga in general, um, but any team that's putting off, you know, 14 games unbeaten, including beating Bayern Munich, I know they're going yeah. through their own rough patch, but it's still Bayern. Um, it's not going to be an easy match by any means, but we'll see. We'll see come Thursday, uh, you know, what, what Mourinho has in store. I have no doubt that he'll – put Roma in a position where um, they probably do most of their damage at home and then kind of seek to, to contain Leverkusen on the, on the way leg. Um, it'll depend on who he has available, but I think it's a very winnable semifinal um, as, as yeah. winnable as those get. Yeah, I, I do think that it's winnable for sure. Um you know, and we will talk about injuries in a minute. But just to go through that 14-match run, it was back in February. They lost the first leg to AS Monaco in the, um, I guess it would be the round of 16 of the, the Europa League 3-2 at home. And then they lost to Mines in the league 3-2 back-to-back. And you're like, you know, when, you, when you're looking through the Europa League scores like you do when you see Roma's playing, you're like, oh, well, Leverkusen lost at home. They're probably up against it in Monaco. Well, they went and, and reversed it 3-2 and won a penalties to get through. Um Drew Freiburg, who's been pretty good in the Bundesliga this year, beat Hertha, who's not very good. And then they had uh, 
I believe this side is Hungarian, Ferenc Gravos um, in the Europa League. So not a, not a household name. Uh, it's, a, it's a name <laughs> no. I've seen in, in, in through the years in the Euro, uh, European competitions, but kind of a generous draw there in, in that round. Um, beat Bremen, beat uh, Bayern, like you mentioned, which is the real big one, 2-1, even with that team having a rough patch. Um, beat Schalke, beat Frankfurt. And then it was uh, Union St. Goli, or however you pronounce that, Belgian side, who was the side they ended up beating, who beat Union Berlin in the previous round, who's, who's been really good in the Bundesliga this year. So uh, that was a 1-1 draw at home again. And you're like, oh, maybe they're up against it in Belgium. This team's been pretty good. And they went and put four up um, in that quarterfinal second leg to get through to, to Roma. Uh, beat Leipzig in the league in that stretch too recently. Drew Union Berlin. These are all teams in the top four we're talking about. And so they basically against teams in their own top four. And they're they're not going to qualify for Champions League via the league route because they're a rough start. And they're, I think it's eight points off with three matches remaining in the Bundesliga. So this is their ticket to Champions League as well. Um, in this run of 14 matches, beat Bayern Munich, beat Red Bull Leipzig. Drew Union Berlin, who are three of the top four teams in the league. And if you throw in the fifth place team, Freiburg, they drew them. So they've performed well against good, uh, against big sides in in terms of Bundesliga. Yeah, but I think, um, and then just looking at their roster, um, you know, obviously in addition to Patrick Schick, who's out, you know, you have Jeremy Frimpong, who's been uh, tied to some of the big Premier League clubs. You have Florian Burtz, Moussa Diaby. Um, so all quality players, but I think, and just in terms of matchup, I the way that I look at it is similar to how I did against Real Sociedad or Real Batiste when we were matched up against them, where it's these uh, upper mid-table sides or, you know, fifth, sixth position um, in their respective league sides with quality players at their disposal. But um, Roma similarly um, have an equal number of quality players and, um, but the advantage is that you have Mourinho at the helm who has yep. all the experience in the world in these competitions. And so that's why we see Roma so effective at this point of the season. Um, and with these type of competitions where they can just get the job done and, and then move on to the next round. And I think I can see something similar here. Um, despite the dangerous players they have at their disposal, I think the experience that, that Roma's had, that Roma has had thus far in, Shutting down these types of players where it's not, you know, your Mbappes of the world, but the, you know, maybe the tier below that can give you headaches and make something happen at a moment's notice. But um, if you're disciplined and defend well, you can contain them. And I think that's what we're going to see here. So, you know, you, you look at their past results and it can seem to be a daunting task, but I think, I think this team's well equipped for it, even especially if they can get, you know, Dybala back on two legs or Wijnaldum in the midfield. I think that'll be huge. Um, So hopefully we can get one or two guys back, but I think, I think they can match up well. Yeah, I I agree. And I I think maybe that union Berlin team is kind of the blueprint for Mourinho in some ways, because they play a very defensive style as well. When I've seen them play a little bit, I have seen a little Bundesliga here and there, not, not a whole ton. Um, but you know, when sometimes it starts earlier than said, I would throw it on ESPN plus and union is that Roma in the sense that they don't score a lot. They struggle to score, but they, they keep matches low scoring. And I think maybe Mourinho can learn something from watching that film. I'm sure, um, you know, he knows Chabi Alonso. Maybe he, you know, had conversations in his career with Chabi Alonso on the training pitch. Like, cause you know, 
if Chabi was always thinking about being a manager at some point, he's probably had conversations with Mourinho about tactics and things like that. So, and I'm, I'm sure he's going to be, you know, it kind of brings you to like the star Wars reference where it's like the, the master and the apprentice, right. <laughs> you know, is the apprentice yeah. ready. Um, and it, it creates an interesting dynamic because yes, Alonzo knows Mourinho, but Mourinho is the master, especially tactically in matches like this. And I, I do agree with you. I think they're going to try to get that win in the first leg um, because they are at home. We've seen, and I, I went through it, I think, before the, we, we played the last, uh, the quarterfinal matchup, is that Mourinho now is, knock on wood, discontinues. He's unbeaten in two-legged affairs as Roma manager. And when they start at home, they tend to get the win at home and lock it down on the, on the, the back end. And when they start away, they keep it within a goal um, away. They might lose one nothing or 2-1 or something, but then they, they find a way at home in the second leg. And that's what we saw um, against Leipzig. That's what we saw the last round as well. So I think that's going to be the approach from Mourinho. Who's available is the big question. I think Dybala has to be, if he played those last 20 minutes, I think he's available in some capacity, even if it's for an hour in this one. Um, I'll just read Mourinho's quote. Uh, he said, our, he was asked if he's optimistic about this two-leg and tie. Will you get anyone back? He said, I'm not optimistic about getting anyone back. I'm optimistic because of my players. Today we played against the strongest team in Italy, against a team in the Champions League semifinals. We have five or six players who are totally knackered because they play all the time. Mancini, Cristante, Pellegrini. Those guys are dead tired. Then we have injured players like Dybala and Belotti and the kids. When I look at Eduardo Bove, I think about the fact that when I joined, he was due to go on loan to Triestina, I think. And today he put in the performance he did against Inter. Result aside, I have reasons to be very happy. Then there are things that happen during the game that if the club wants to talk about, then they should... And if they don't, then I'm going. I'm not going to. I'm guessing he's referring to maybe some refereeing or something. Um, also, because I've been attacked on moral grounds. However, that actually gives me a bit of joy because it was by a person who was banned for three years for betting in football, and being attacked morally by someone like that gives me great pleasure. That was uh, referring to the referee, <laughs> like coordinator or something. Um, but he's saying he's not optimistic about getting anybody back. I think I saw today Dybala and Halder were the two guys really targeting a return for for the first leg. Well, that's unfortunate because, you know, you, you really would want Smalling back there. Yeah, he's the one you really um, want, besides yeah. Dybala, obviously. Right. Yeah, yeah, I know. Obviously, Dybala would all them excellent additions uh, or, you know, players to get back. But Smalling really would have been huge. And that is usually, um, you know, Roma's, Roma's European performances are – are built on the defense. Um, and so it's smalling missing. That's going to be huge. Yeah. Uh is coming <laughs> off the heels of a massive, massive mistake, throwing him right back in the oven uh, with another massive matchup on Thursday. So it'll be interesting. Maybe, maybe, you know, you have the opposite approach where you, where you do keep it tight as long as you can this first leg and then hope to get some guys back for the second, but I'm not sure when folks are projected to be back is small, uh, like Smalling, for example, is he, do we have any update on him in terms of, I haven't uh, seen recently. I'm going to double check. Um, not sounding like the first leg, I guess at this point. Yeah, certainly not. Yeah. What had me so like hopeful was midweek when all these guys uh, were on the bench and dressed. I'm like, Oh, they're probably not going to play, but maybe they're getting close. And then, yeah. Uh, we didn't see anybody on Wednesday, and we only saw a little bit of Dybala on Saturday. So, could also be mind games. Yeah, you know? and we don't know. Uh, 
give Chabi Alonso something to think about um, in terms of the personnel that's going to be out there. But I, I, I don't think, I mean, Mourinho seems to have been playing it more as a straight shooter these days. So I don't necessarily think that's the case, but we'll see. Um, but in any case, you do know they're going to play hard, whoever is out there. Uh, yeah. As he was, as he was speaking to with, with Bobe's performance, for example. Yeah. And um just look at Leverkusen. They they do give up their fair share of goals. They've given up forty three and thirty one uh, Bundesliga matches. Um, with and their xG allowed is only thirty eight point five. So they're underachieving on defense. They are overachieving in attack with an xG of forty seven point two, and they've scored fifty four. I know Bundesliga is, is is different than Serie A, but it just gives a little context that they they can score, but they they do give up goals. And maybe Roma could find one early in that match. And if Roma could get one early at home, uh, they're hard to break down. And even without Smalling, I think they could. They could stand tough. Um, it's probably Cristante in the middle again if he's out. Um, so then you kind of do hope when Haldum's available, I think Bove then gets a start maybe with Matic, and then then it becomes uh, how much can Win Haldum give you off the bench maybe. Yeah, which we've seen uh, when he when even when he does come off the bench, um, he's still able to change games. It will depend on how up to speed he is since he's coming back from an injury, but I think he, he certainly can be a different coming off the bench. Um, and then, yeah, if you can get an hour out of the ball, that's going to be huge. We've seen um, how frequently he can create something out of nothing. And then with the set piece talent that they have at their disposal, that's probably going to be uh, the most likely route for Roma to score. Um, but we've seen, throughout the season that um, it's a very valuable, valuable weapon in terms of scoring first. So going off of what you were saying, if they're able to get an early set piece goal, shut it down, lock up shop. Um, you would prefer that they get two to make it a little bit less stressful. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that comes towards the end of the game um, when Leverkusen are a little bit more adventurous going forward, try and take something back home. Um, but Again, that first goal is going to be crucial. I really uh, am skeptical of Roma's chances to advance if they're the ones to concede first, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I'm not making any prediction, Brandon. I don't know if you have anything you want to add about the match. Not a chance. (laughs) No, no predictions from me. I can't. (laughs) Yeah, so we'll end it there. We're going to have our regular match day coverage. I'm hoping to have this Q&A with the the Leverkusen uh, supporters just to get a little more perspective on their club ahead of time. So... Keep up with the site. Hopefully, Roma gets at least uh, you know a positive result on Thursday. Takes it back to Germany with uh, every everything to play for, everything in their favor, and we can uh, we can look for uh, a second leg win and, and go to a European final. That would be the hope. So uh, we thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time.